0: And this is KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And you're listening to Art Hour. And this week, um, we're trying to uh, spend the week talking about the big thing going on this weekend, which is Art Fest, as well as Volume, Ooh. big music festival. And our esteemed guest today is Lindsay Johnston. Uh, Vanna O oh, um, and also been a part of other projects here uh, in the local music scene and so welcome
1: Lindsay thanks for coming
2: Thanks for having me
1: yeah thanks for coming in
2: yeah this is awesome so uh, what would
1: you say about uh, your music for people who've never heard you how would you, how would you characterize it
2: um, so what my favorite sort of music that I do because I, d- I do play through a bunch of different genres but my bread and butter is definitely rock and roll very. I mean, it's all originals, but it's most it's closest to classic rock from the 70s. Um, I would say that's kind of my my big influences were uh, Jefferson Airplane and Queen, and and then kind of getting later on into like White Stripes and stuff.
1: So, and you've played in other bands. You played in Donna Donna. Yeah, was has it always been that kind of music, or has your music sort of evolved over time, or have you always been that sort of classic rock? Those influences have always been on your sleeve.
2: I grew up with those influences, and I always loved singing them, um, but I actually started out when I started playing music and writing songs for the first time. It was folk, jazzy sort of stuff, and I played out um, as a solo artist for a couple years, um, started in the open mic scene, and I honestly started playing rock and roll music so that I could find a drummer to play with me cuz I didn't want to play alone anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you when you say when you finally started playing so when when did you actually get interested in music or kind of have an inkling that this was going to be something you were going to do?
2: Probably when I was 4. Like when I was 4, I or like young, I was I mean it was it was the 90s so it was those Disney movies that just had the incredible scores like Aladdin and Little Mermaid and so I was like I grew up just singing all of the time and um, I remember being little and that's what I wanted to do I wanted to be a singer or an actress and I feel like I get to do both of those things now Um, rock and roll is so theatrical so um, but and then I, I didn't really do anything that was my original music until probably until I was 25 so I don't think I actually wrote a song until then. But up until then, I mean, I was I was a classically trained oboe player. Um, I went to Whitworth on an oboe scholarship and did wind symphony for a long time.
1: What do you think made you write a song at 25? What was the impetus? What what, what changed?
2: That was the, the name of the first song I ever wrote was called Impetus.
1: <laughs> that is weird. I truly had no idea.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um... I, well, I think it was, I mean, I always knew that I liked singing and the the reason that I had never written a song before was because I never had any accompaniment. So I would always just be singing by myself. I couldn't find anyone to play chords and I didn't know how to put them. I had a guitar with me that I kind of carried around since I was 16, but never knew how to play. And so that was the thing that I did is like, after I graduated college, I was like, I, I love music But I wanted to play something that I could sing with. So I started playing guitar right after college. So when I was about 22. um, And then... Yeah, so I guess I had been like... It was a great creative outlet. I loved to sing. And I wanted to do original music. I guess I had more respect for artists that wrote their own songs. So that's probably why I started writing songs. It was because I knew I wanted to sing. I loved music. And... I wanted to be like somebody that I respected.
0: So now, Eric and I, um, as you know, um, both Elsie connected.
2: Yes, and, and
0: So and so are you, and and yes. uh, so you started actually um, your you started your working career basically as a as a teacher, and then um, you have switched over to making it as a artist, uh, mm-hmm. uh, musician. What what was going, what were you thinking, was that a hard decision, Uh, and if it was a hard decision, what were all the parameters, because that that takes a lot of courage.
2: Yeah, it was a really, really hard decision. I had, I had gone, so my first job out of college, I had a math and a Spanish degree, and I went into, um, I actually didn't go into teaching first, I went to work with Habitat for Humanity right out of college, Um, and that I was working at a desk, a desk job, but I, I knew that I didn't like that. And then I, um, I got, I went, I kind of ran away, honestly, that's looking back on it. I didn't feel like I could just quit at that point in my life. I didn't, I wasn't able to say, I don't like this, um, and do something else. I was like, I felt all this pressure. I had just gone to college. It was a good job. I had all these things. Um, so I. I kind of like ran away to a master's program because that's what I knew how to do. I knew how to go to school. Yeah. So I went back to a master's program and I got a master's in teaching and got my first job at LC. Um, and the first year was really hard, but everyone said that the first year of teaching would be really hard. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of accepted that. Um, and the second year of teaching, it was like all of... I had got the job, gotten the job down um, and... Like, I knew where the copy machine was, and I knew how to plan a lesson, and I knew how to, like, where everything was, and the kids respected me, and I feel like I was doing a good job, and I started having panic attacks every day.
3: Mm.
2: So, it was, every single day, I would just, like, feel like I was going to die. Um, and so, I, I, like, honestly, I, like, got into counseling, and, like, I basically, a counselor told me, he was like, you can take a break, or you cannot do this for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I started bartending. <laughs> and and yeah, and, and have you had any
0: panic t- attacks since? I mean, is that has that been a really good? Was that a healthy move? It was. Yeah,
2: it was. Um, yeah, it was a really because teaching was so. It was just it took so much time to do it well, and like I wanted to do it well, and I I I loved the job. I actually loved teaching. It was the. I, I, what I couldn't do was the the hours mm-hmm. that it required to do all of the the prep and the the grading and all of that. So once I was able to put my work week down to like 20 hours a week bartending and like live off of that, I was able to work through some stuff that had been actually causing the anxiety and the panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a while, but I, I had the time to look at it. If that makes sense.
0: So um, you you are still somewhat connected to the the teaching process in that you. Uh, have been helping one of our local nonprofits Spark Central I yes. believe uh and uh, with the Girls Rock Club is yes. that correct Yes. Well, maybe just talk a little bit about that i think it's uh, important on a lot of levels but, but yeah speak yes.
2: to that okay so Girls Rock Lab was started by Liz Rognes i think about uh, 6 years ago um and at with Spark Central in um Kendall Yards and it's a, a day camp for about a week, two weeks actually in the summer. Um, but the girl, the girls from I believe it's like it's like six to twelve. That's kind of the age range of um the girls that come. And the whole point is to expose um girls to rock and roll music at an earlier age because there's a huge disparity in the in the music scene, in the music industry in general, it's it's male dominated really, mm-hmm. and um, so it's just kind of encouraging them to like yeah, pick up an electric guitar. Maybe you've never seen one, maybe you've never held one. Play a drum kit, like, and they just get loud and they write songs and they have fun and they make a band and and so I just get to I've done it the last two summers and I hope I get to do it again this year. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's so fun. It's so cool to see. They're so creative and they love it. And I just, I I like wish that I had something like that when I was that age, but I I didn't, it wasn't an option to me until I was 25 and I never entered my mind that I could have done that.
0: Yeah, that um, uh, is so empowering, first of all. And it's great to, I think anybody can do anything. Well, one, if they persevere, but having access is also a big part of that. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with with Liz and yourself and uh and other role models as well, you know, you've seen other females getting up there and, you know, uh, them being able to watch you perform and, you know, killing it in the local music scene, uh, I think really adds value to Thanks. what they do. So, yeah, and thank you for doing that. I think yeah. that's great.
2: Oh, it's so fun. So, um
0: it, as you're doing this now uh, you've kind of gone from these stages you know you do you did you know kind of followed this journey the predictable journey that where you go for for a lot of us that well we just knew we had to finish high school and then in high school we mm-hmm. knew we had to finish college and thought we had to get a career
3: right
0: and now you are into the into the performing and trying to to make it mm-hmm. as a, a musician mm-hmm. and um, looking at your touring schedule. Yeah. Uh, so t- talk us a little bit about that uh, that piece of it now that you're out in doing it.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, so I... In September is when I quit my job bartending. And, and the last five years have really been kind of just doing more and more and more and more music. But I was at this point where I couldn't... I, I had reached a ceiling for myself where... Um, you know, if I had a, a any sort of job, other job, it was I couldn't get all the time off work to play shows. Um, I wouldn't have the time to book. I wouldn't have the time to, to do the marketing and stuff. Um, so in September, I just was like, well, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try just one month of book as many shows as I can in November. Yeah, I was. Yeah, so I quit my job in September spent september and october booking shows for november and tried it out for a month i think i had like 10 shows that month and they were all um booked as solo gigs at that point um i had a little bit of money in the bank to kind of get me through and but it's been really really hard it's just i I don't there's no way to do it at least there is not a way that i found that i could do it without doing it full-time but the the other side it's like the other side of that is you, you don't make money right away um, and when you do make money it's it's barely getting by I mean like I, I can't I had to move out of my house because I can't pay rent so I'm basically couch surfing or living in my van at this point so it's I mean sleeping on a lot of floors uh, yeah I just decided I was going to try it and and then I just kept on booking more and more shows so it just has it's kind of kept on growing, and I guess I'll keep going until it stagnates or stops growing or it doesn't work anymore.
0: So it is still kind of exciting for you in some ways, or you feel like you're really growing in your craft by going through this process. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what what is the what's been the Do you have any um, aha's that you have learned on the road, so to speak, that you uh, uh, that really surprised you?
2: Hmm. Um, about, like, performing or about... Tra- the whole
0: the whole experience of travel, the yeah. people you meet, the venues you play in, or uh, the types of audiences you come
2: across. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess I was surprised that... Well, I, w- I was surprised that I was able to get people to play with me because I didn't go into it thinking that anyone would play with me. I thought it was going to be Vano solo. I thought it was going to be more of the folk, acoustic jazzy sort of shows kind of that's all that's all i had planned for november and by the end of november we were playing a full band show because people had reached out and said hey like i'll play and how about this person this person will will play too now we have a band um so that was really surprising to me um and not planned uh it's i mean i'm always I'm surprised that it keeps on growing. That the followers keep on growing. That I'm booking more and more shows. I, I've been making these tour posters every month, and I sat down to make the one for June, um, and I was like, "Whoa! I have a lot of shows booked this this month, and I have it booked out until until September now. So it, I'm able to book out farther and farther. So it's, um, it's getting more successful a lot faster than I expected. Um, it's. Another surprising thing, I think, is um, that I'm not sick of traveling. <laughs> I thought that that was really going to burn me out. Yeah. And it hasn't burned me out. Um, I, On average, I'm spending about three days in one place, and then I go to the next place. I pack all of my stuff up into my van, go to the next place. Um, yeah, so good surprises so far. I can't think of any negative ones right off the top of my head. There's, oh, there's a lot of people that, that want ask me to play for free or for just like I can't make it worth it mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's just a lot of people think that it's probably not my full-time job but that's kind of an awkward thing that I've that I've dealt with.
0: Do you have a favorite place uh, that you like to go to um, and, and what would be the reason for that?
2: yeah there's a couple places um those were surprising too um medford oregon was a huge surprise um i went into it thinking only hearing uh less than glamorous things about medford and then we went there and the people it's like going to we played at johnny b's and they just love us there and they ask us to come back and um you know we're just treated well by the staff uh There's, like, a built-in crowd that comes to expect music and expects to pay for it. Um, So there's always money at the door that kind of helps us fill the gas tank. And just a crowd that really likes original rock and roll music. Um, So there's a couple of venues like that. Uh, Hogan's in Clarkston is one of our favorites, too. Um...
0: Hey, those are a couple of places I probably wouldn't have, yeah. those are oh, surprises. I know, they're
2: surprises. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think of Medford, and I always think in the summer, it's always like one of the places that has the hottest temperature in the country mm-hmm. for some reason. In Medford? I mean, yeah, in Medford. I mean, of all places. Really? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so, you talk about your band. Yes. Um, who, who do you take on the road with you? Are they uh, local musicians as well?
2: Uh... Depends. So, um, so the the band name is Vanna O and the Ennies, and the Ennies means basically anybody who will <laughs> anyone anywhere who will learn the music, take their time off work, um, have a good attitude, be okay with sleeping on floors, come. and so I've played with a bunch of different people, which has been really, really cool um, played with most most of them are Spokane local. Um, but I have played with a drummer and a bassist from Tri Cities, um, and taken them on a couple—at least the drummer on a couple uh, out of town shows too. But most of the of the NEs are in Spokane.
1: Well, this would be a good time to... We need to do a little business at 20 minutes after the hour. There's a piece of paper right there okay. that says new at 20 minutes after the hour. We haven't been here in a while, so, right, so we, we have see. to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So uh, go ahead, Mike, give us that one. Okay, so well, let's do this, and hopefully
0: I can keep from doing what I usually do is, is read the instructions.
1: <laughs> read the stuff in the
0: parentheses. Right. So help keep Art Hour coming to you every week for a little as little as $3 a month by text. Texting, give KYRS to four four three two one. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just three dollars a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting again. Give KYRS to four four three
1: two one. And we, we also have a public service announcement. Spokane Riverkeeper, Numerica Credit Union, and River City Brewing are sponsoring the spring river cleanup at People's Park. The River Cleanup is Saturday, June 8th from 10 a.m. to noon at the Sandifer Bridge parking area in People's Park. There is a post-cleanup party at River City Brewing from 1 to 3. More information at jerry at c4justice.org. And, of course, you are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3. This is Art Hour with Eric Woodard and my co-host, Mike Malsom. And we have Lindsay Johnson, a.k.a. Hello. Vanna O, in studio today. And she's going to play some, uh, play, we're going to play some of her recorded music. I think she's going to play some live music. Would, do you want to listen to uh, a recording or do you want to just bust out the guitar right now?
2: Yeah, why don't we do the recording first? Um, so this is what, I, I still do both uh electric full band shows and then like tonight i'll be playing a solo show at moontime in Coeur d'Alene. we can give them a, a taste of what's going to happen tomorrow at volume um at the pin at 10 p.m so this is kind of the electric side of it
1: all right which song do you want us to put on
2: uh, let's do holly
1: okay sounds good
0: That, that was that was fantastic, Lindsay, oh, first thanks. of all. And then, so I was just thinking back when you were talking about, well, I kind of carried around this acoustic guitar, you know, for a while. Didn't really know how to play it. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you know, killing it on the electric guitar. And it's, uh, Plus, it's got a great, uh, you know, that old kind of blues rock sound. So... Maybe a technical question, um, like how much do you have a routine and how much time do you spend practicing and, and, and that sort of thing?
2: Uh, so I used to practice tons. Um, so basically right when I left teaching to, to bartend and play music, I, I bought a guitar. That So I, I quit teaching in June, bought an electric guitar and an amp for the first time in August. Had no idea what, what I was buying. Um, and I just, I I basically was like, there are a lot of, I wanted to do something a little bit different than what I had seen. There are a lot of females playing acoustic guitar, singing folk songs. So I think I like, at that point I knew that I wanted to develop a skill that I hadn't seen a lot of females develop yet, which would be playing lead guitar. Um, but it took years to, to get even semi proficient on it and I wouldn't say that, like I, I can't really improvise too well um, still that's something, that's the next thing that I'm trying to work on and I've been working on for a few years but um, yeah I've come a long way and part of that was, I mean I was it was an hour to five hours a day for probably three or four years but until I felt like I could Until I got up on stage for the first time and was playing lead guitar, I think.
0: Um, So I don't know, Eric, you're a guitar player, but um, are you one that has to, uh, that learns best by hearing and then trying to replicate that just through trial and error? Mm. Or because of your classical training, are you one that has to kind of see the music or see some sort of lead sheet and go from there first and then work on that?
2: I think that was part of the like hardest part for me was breaking out of my classical here's your sheet music here are all the notes exactly how you play them um, to play a guitar which for me is is such a it's not a very intuitive instrument the way it's it's laid out um, and to be able to play it by ear, because that's how most people play guitar. There's not a whole lot of sheet music. I even, I even, like, took some jazz guitar for a while where I was reading sheet music, but I was like, this is just not the type of music that I want to be doing, and everyone that's doing the type of music I want to do, it's not written out in sheet music. So there are tabs, but I that was a big thing that I was trying to learn, was trying to learn how to play by ear. Mm-hmm. And I'm better at it now, for sure, but I just, it was bewildering for the first five years, and so hard now i know that like my brain is adapting to it and is learning but for five years it seemed like nothing was happening and i wasn't learning anything
1: now this might seem an odd question but i so i'm curious so you're learning a new instrument Mm -hmm. you are uh you know you've been trained in one way and and so you were donna donna Mm -hmm. and then you were vanna O. Mm -hmm. do you find that i mean are you a adopting a persona in a way and is that helping you sort of break out and not be Lindsay anymore not be the oboe player anymore yeah. I mean to what extent is our, our and you, you talked about the theatricality of yeah. it too mm-hmm. to what extent do you do you think that Vanna O is really important to how you play and, and what you do
2: um I, I think I mean creating Vanna O was definitely to create a character um I don't know how much of, I think it's more for the delivery of the music rather than the music itself. I think that that the music that I'm writing is very like, is stuff that I've been interested in my entire life as Lindsay Johnston. Um, a big part of the reason that like I like it's easier to go under other names is because my given name is really easy to misspell, really hard to Google. So <laughs> coming up with something that was like short, sweet, and memorable was really helpful just in that in that way of just like people could google it easier but um it's also like to be able to create a character and that's something that i wanted to do with this project was i i love the um the videos and the and the photography and the fashion and 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 playing different parts and um i feel like in a lot of ways like Van is more of an actress Mm. and um it's more of like just a bunch of different um Like theatrical, like acts, music videos, um, art projects, I guess. So.
1: Have you found that character evolving over time? And if so, how?
2: I mean, yes. It's more like I I get to play a different part. It's. So, um, one day I can be doing kind of like. um, Kind of like swanky nightclub van O. And then another day, it's a completely different show. It's a completely different photo shoot or whatever it is. And, and I can be punk or um, I can be, like, 80s or um, I can be really girly. I can be, um, like, more masculine. I can just play a different part. So it's not ne- necessarily, like, an even evolution. It's just, like, I can play a lot of different roles.
0: And your songwriting, you talk about you've kind of started songwriting, you know, or that was in your head even before you maybe picked up, like, say, the electric guitar or something like that. But your songwriting now and in combination with this persona, which kind of comes out in your live performances, is there is there something underlying that you're trying to explore Regarding the, the songwriting part of it, like, did, are the mm. lyrics uh, connected to something that you're an exploration of, um, or is it just kind of have to fit into the overall, uh, I guess, the gestalt of Vanna O oh yeah. performance?
2: Well, I think that my songwriting's come a long way. I mean, it went it started out when I first started writing songs; it was um, very personal uh stories and at shows I was able to to talk about those stories like the background like oh, this is why this song came. this is the breakup that inspired this song and um, mm-hmm. this is the experience that happened that inspired this song and with rock and roll there's not I don't feel like there's so much of an audience for that at rock and roll shows so it's more of just like it's more of the hooks the melodies um, and to create an image almost Um, So that's I I kind of like started writing more um, impressionistic music lyrics that was just like, say something that gives puts an image in people's head or gets caught in people's like an earworm. And that became a whole different sort of challenge to write music like that. And um, I think that the next phase that I would really like to go into, um, I'm hoping to spend a few months this winter just writing songs and just really getting back into that because I haven't had a ton of time. And I think that'll be the things that I want to explore. I would love to explore a little bit more um, of, like, a, a, a social justice and... Maybe, maybe not political, but, like, something that reflects what's happening in our, this time and space in our country with what people are, are thinking about and talking about and fighting about right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, your live performances are very, you know, um, theatrical. Um, they're fun to watch. Energetic. Energetic. Do you have a a few performers or things or people that maybe have inspired you Mm -hmm. or given you some ideas on adding to your this Vanna O
2: project? Sure, yeah. I uh, Freddie Mercury, Lady Gaga. Those are the ones, the big ones. Oh, also um, Ty Seagal, That's one that I saw that really just stood out to me, Um, and especially like lady Lady gaga and freddie mercury they were really big into the outfits and the the onstage antics the dancing and um that's something especially the dancing i'd love to work more of that in it's right now just having a guitar on the whole time it's that's been interesting but i do move around a lot so
1: so i was looking at the songs over here and you got five songs on your demo right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and how long ago were those recorded
2: Oh, um, so we recorded them mostly in December, November. No, yeah, mostly December. Okay,
1: yeah. And then, how many songs have you had? To, I mean, does this feel like this was a, a, an an eon ago, or mm-hmm. do you have a lot more new and different stuff coming up? What What is yeah. your was your songwriting and song selection look like right now?
2: Yeah. So that's the demo is actually so that's part of something that's been really hard in this process is like because it's not very lucrative especially in the beginning it's been really hard to get professional mixes done so I've been we've been selling those CDs at shows and there's an insert inside of each CD that kind of like explains what we're doing with that money it's getting mixed so in September we'll release everything professionally mixed and mastered and there's even going to be a different recording of one of those songs um on the new, like, professionally released EP. And that's why it's, like, currently not on Spotify or iTunes or anything is we're saving up, basically, to get that really well um, mixed and mastered. And then my thought and something I've learned from this whole process is that I would like it to be, all of that to be finished a lot earlier um, and have the money up front to just be able to record, mix, master within a month or two. Because it it feels like, wow, I've been, like, I've had these songs for a long time. We've been playing the same songs for a long time. Um, So we have, I think I have a full album ready to be, if I have the funds, um, we'll hopefully get that um, recorded in October.
1: Well, and in the old days, everybody said we need to get signed. Mm. Right? Yeah. and. That is, from what I understand, that's just not so much a thing anymore. Is that true? That it, I mean, that you're just going to have to figure out a way to do it yourself, that that's what most artists are doing now?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah. I, mm, I, I don't really know. Like, I would have to actually research it. And what it seems like from my um, my point of view is, and what I'm seeing um, is... What does getting signed even mean, and what what good is that? Um, and there are a, are a lot of bad deals out there, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of a lot of people doing it independently because we have so many tools at our disposal that we can make
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, a certain quality of music, um, and then use that to kind of propel our career, careers. And the way I look at it is like I want to do as much as I can so that when if if and when a label were to to start paying attention i would be able to say well what what do i get out of it you know because i've done all of this work and um yeah but there's also like labels usually have um a network and connections and and they confront a bunch of money for a really well put together well produced album and so yeah there's some things that i'm lacking but we have a lot of tools at our disposal at this point so it's the the labels aren't as necessary as they were before.
1: Right, but it's just I mean, you were talking about how hard it is to monetize this. How do you make oh, a yeah. living doing that? It's just I no. mean, there's there's no blueprint anymore.
2: No. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's like it, there's a good and bad thing is like with it being so much easier now. It's like the only path used to be you get signed. Right. And so there were superstars. And now it's you don't have to get signed necessarily, which may- means that the market is flooded. So it's I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I mean- when
0: you you talk about having it professionally mixed and you're saving up money for that, yeah. I have no idea how much that is. So for other um, upstart. Artists now maybe listening on this. What, sure. what kind of what are we talking about as far as the cost, upfront cost to have a, a really a professional um, sound person to mm-hmm. mix and make a master uh, in a studio recording?
2: Sure, I mean I'm guessing that what I've been exposed to is on the the less expensive end, um, but we have what I'm currently paying to get our songs. Mixed is three fifty a song, three hundred fifty dollars per song to get it mixed, and then and that is by somebody that I've I've heard their their previous mixes of other bands and I respect it. I like it. I like the way it sounds. It sounds really professional to me. Um, and then it's fifty dollars on top of that. I think that's pretty average to get it mastered. So four hundred dollars a song. Yeah. And then if you. You have to do recording costs on top of that.
1: Four hundred for a song, and five song—boy, that starts to add up. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, on the road, people are asking you to play for free.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Eric, I think. Uh, what do you think? We got another uh,
0: cut on there. Well, though? I don't know, uh, Lindsay. Do you, you want to do a live one? Want
1: to do a live one, or you want to do another one off the record?
2: Uh, let's do. Let's do. Um. Let's do "Bear Name Sue," and then maybe we can do a live one after that. Bear Name Sue is the first one on their on the album.
1: Alright. We got it? Ready to go. We're ready to go. And- Wow, <laughs> that was some rock and roll! Right yeah, uh-huh. I love
0: the the slide piece there. So, um, in practicing, you know, the guitar. I mean, uh, th- did you have that sound in your head um, when you were thinking about this, this song, or um, just jamming out on your own, and it just kind of came out? And I thought, man, I'm gonna put this put this sound and mm-hmm. match the song to the sound.
2: No, most well. No and yes. Yes, and no. Um, <laughs> most of the songs that I've written, because I was learning how to play rock and roll at the same time as I was writing songs, it was like I would learn each song that I wrote um, that was my own, I could tell you which song I was practicing at that time, like which who what cover I was practicing at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it would, when I wrote Bear Named Sue, I was practicing... Elmore James, mm. it hurts me too. So I was learning this like slide blues thing, mm-hmm. and which, and if you listen to the two songs, they don't sound anything alike. But I learned how to play. I was learning how to, mm. the basics of playing slide guitar with Elmore James, uh, an, an Elmore James tune, and then as I'm doing that, I I get sidetracked and I start messing around, and that's when the songs that are my own usually came out.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Well, it is funny because yeah. when, I, when I write songs, too, I'll say I'm going to write a Beach Boys song. And then oh, okay, it, yeah. Well, but it never sounds at all like the Beach yeah, Boys. No, it, yeah, no, So, you, you know, it comes out and then, uh, I mean, you could give people 100 guesses and they'd never say it sounds like the Beach Boys. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's not like we wear our influences on our sleeve, but we definitely are inspired by those people, for sure.
2: Sure, yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: What were you going to say, Mike? Well, I was just going to say, you know, listening to the song that you wrote... Uh,
0: for Atari Ferrari, um, I was going to say, was there any similarities, or is it everybody's has their own way to uh, enter into you know a song? Especially when you are getting in, like rock and roll kind of stuff. I
1: don't know. I think it does. I mean, it just yeah. kind of matters where you start, yeah. And I think where you are starting is you are starting at a, a really different place. You are starting with kind of a persona. Mm-hmm. Um, you are starting with a, an idea of. I mean, and I, I mean, correct me if I am wrong, but it sounded like part of your evolution has been maybe fighting against the uh, preconceptions of a woman in rock and roll. Yes. And just tell me about how that informs the things that you do.
2: I I mean, I think even part of the name is like it's Vanna. O with the exclamation point, it's like a very feminine name with like a surprise. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> um, and it's funny to see how many. That's that's been another surprise with booking, is how many venues will peg me as somebody else or a different genre or put a lineup together because they didn't listen to my music when I sent it to them, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a girl. It'll sound like this." And then so, and then I get put with a, like a couple of people. People with like folk acoustic guitars, and then we play this huge <laughs> rock and roll show, and it's kind of funny. It's a little awkward sometimes, but it's, um, yeah. So part of that was just, um, I mean, I was I was I was twenty five when I realized like why, why isn't why are there so few females that play instruments in the music industry? And it's not like there's none of them, but it's far more often that you see a a female singing and not playing an instrument has a lovely voice but not playing an instrument and all her backup band is men and I just didn't I don't get it um but honestly like I never thought about it until I was 25 either so yeah part of it was like well somebody's got to do something about this and I know there are a lot of women out there um that are are breaking that stereotype but it's still it's still even when women do play an instrument it's usually not lead mm-hmm. and i don't it's just weird So,
0: well i think it's um, the, the tides turning and certainly uh... like in here in spokane i think we uh, i can you know just think off the top of my head you know some pretty amazing women uh, getting it done mm-hmm. right here in spokane yeah. so and then i think when you have other young girls coming to the shows or mm-hmm. those type of things or the things that you're doing like with girls rock lab um they see that it's possible yes and then that just kind of opens up the whole mm-hmm. thing so i think it has to be in, imprinted in somebody's brain that, yeah a, this is very possible and and anybody can do it it's just right. now you got to put the time in for that
2: right
1: you know. Well, and in some ways, it's got to be liberating because there's just not a lot of people in front of you to uh, emulate. You just say, well, you know, I'm I got, I'm going to create this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's got to be a little bit more organic. I mean, nobody would look at you and think Freddie Mercury or Jefferson Airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think it's really cool.
2: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even, even if I do it, even if I go and play classic rock and and then sing with my voice, it's usually going to be pretty different than what classic rock sounded like because most of it was sung by and played by males. So it's just automatically going to be a new thing, even if it's like I'm doing an old thing, you know? So, but it it usually evolves in ways that I didn't expect. And I'm singing about things that are from a a different point of view. Um, So the lyrics are different. um, And then all of those things just end up creating a different thing so um yeah i guess i some people have said that like my guitar playing is unique and i don't know what what that means but it's probably means that i'm like it's not as good as a lot of people but that's okay yeah
0: i was trying to think now this is probably going to be an absolutely stupid question but i'll just throw it out there so if you were, you know, as, as a bartender, mm-hmm. um, you were going to mix a drink called the Vana O. Ooh! What would go in that <sighs> drink? Oh my
2: gosh, tequila. <laughs> 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 no, I I uh, I stopped drinking like two years ago. So, uh, but tequila sounds really good lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just some, yeah. I think that that uh, something exotic that tequila just makes me think of. Uh, you know my uh, my uh, Spanish teacher roots, or like that <laughs> that love for different cultures, and um, something maybe spicy, like some habanero in there, and then something really colorful. So probably like a a mango sort of situation, um, just a surprising mix of flavors. Actually, I think you can get that drink at Garage Land. So.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> Go they ahead. should rename it the vanna, <laughs> yeah. the vanna yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So, with the few minutes we have yeah. left, uh, tell us about what's coming up for you.
2: Yeah. So this week is uh, pretty pretty busy here in the Spokane, Coeur d'Alene area. I'm uh, going tonight to Moon Time to play an acoustic solo show there. Um, that's in Coeur d'Alene.
1: Now, let me ask you a question. When you play mm-hmm. acoustic solo shows, does it sound like what we just heard, or is it a little bit more mm-hmm. traditional, folky-type stuff?
2: Sometimes I'll play the same songs, but i will it's definitely, it's swung, it's slower. Gotcha. I mean, it's, it's me with an acoustic guitar, too, gotcha. so you don't hear the drums and the bass and mm-hmm. um, the distortion. So it definitely sounds different, more palatable um, for most people, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Um,
1: So, Uh, Moontime tonight.
2: Moontime tonight. uh, Tomorrow night, part of Volume Festival, uh, 10 p.m. at the PIN. So, that's Friday. Um, We're opening up for Indian Goat, so right before Indian Goat. And then the day after that, I don't get to go to the festival, the Volume Festival on Saturday, because I'm playing in Coeur d'Alene again at Honey Eatery. And that's, again, the folk, acoustic, Mm -hmm. jazz side of things. And then on Sunday, we're playing Art Fest at 1 p.m. Oh. in Coeur Park in Browns Edition, and that's full band rock and roll.
1: Good. I think uh, we'll be there, gonna, too. We're going to be there yeah. as well. Come, come, come visit gonna... us at the KYRS booth, yeah, and then the listen to some Vanna. Oh, For sure. Yes. And when do you head back out on the road?
2: Oh, I, I have my uh, calendars right here, because uh-huh. I knew my phone was going to die.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have... Um, so, it looks like we're playing kind of close to home. I'm doing a couple shows in um, Tri-Cities and Pendleton this week, or this month, solo. But when we go out with the full band, we try to do one little mini tour a month. Um, that's like four to five days. This one's only three days, but we're going to the Tri-Cities on June 26th at the Fun Dungeon, um, Eugene, Oregon, Old Nick's Pub on June 27th, and then the Waypost in Portland on June 28th.
1: And what's the best way to keep up with your busy schedule? How, how can mm-hmm. people find out where you're playing?
2: Um, I We're on all of the social media, so um, and I put all of these tour dates. I kind of blast them everywhere and keep them pinned at the top of whatever page it is. But um, So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a, a website, vano.com. Um And then we, I, we're on bands in town, too, so...
1: And if people want to hear those songs that we just heard, how do they get to those?
2: Yeah, so if you can't make it to a show, because we're always, always selling those CDs at our shows, but um, they're also online, um, Bandcamp. Um, so if you search Vanna O Band on Bandcamp, um, they're all up there, and they're there to buy, too. So you can listen to them as many times as you want or buy them.
0: That's cool. So, in the well a minute or so we have left also. Uh uh, You said you're playing um, Saturday night, but uh, is there a band that's coming to volume this weekend that um, you either are going to see um, or would have liked to see if uh, you are not able to make it?
2: Saturday night. See, I didn't even really look too much at Saturday night um, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to be there. Um, But in general, the bands that I'm really excited for for volume this year are... Um, DM from Spokane, um, Indian Goat from Spokane, Ray Badness. I haven't seen them yet. They're a new um, duo from Spokane. Um, Django, he puts on a great show from Spokane. And then out of Spokane, um, Paris Alexa is coming. And that's a really exciting one that um, I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She's a Seattle artist, and she's about to be featured on the show Songland that's on one of the big channels that I don't have access to, really. But she's going to be on one of those those uh, song TV shows, like Macklemore's on it. So Aww. she's going to be on there, and she's coming to Spokane. So catch her before she blows up crazy <laughs>
1: right on well thank you for coming in and good luck to you on your tours good luck to you on your music your recording all that stuff uh i really admire the fact that you just said i'm all in you push all your chips in the middle of the table and uh, i've always found inspiration from people like you so thank you so uh, i really hope you find success
0: thank you yeah absolutely and uh, until next week uh this is kyrs medical lake spokane eighty-eight one, on point one, ninety-two point three border. fm